Welcome, everyone, to another edition of the Ready for the Draft podcast. Episode 15 is the post-bowl edition. I am your host, Greg Schutz. We're taking a look at the draft-eligible prospects, getting you ready for the NFL draft, set to begin in April 2021. Man, can you believe the 2020 season has come to an end? We just have one final game tomorrow, Monday, January 11th, of national title game, alabama Taking on Ohio State, it's going to be a fun one. We'll take a look at that game here in just a little bit. But we didn't think we were even going to get here. We didn't think we were going to have a season. Power 5, Group of 5, were they going to see the field? We knew that FCS, Division 2 had already canceled their games. But the FBS pushed through, and we did have a season to remember. Uh, in, in bowl games, we already talked about the first 10 bowl games. So we have 16 more that we're going to be covering in this podcast. And I'll tell you what. Just part of the the, the craziness of, of bowl season with COVID, 16 different bowl games were canceled. If you remember Army, more than deserving of a, of a bowl game, Independence Bowl ends up getting canceled. They didn't have a dance partner for that. Liberty Bowl ends up calling. Tennessee had some issues with COVID. Army able to slide into that bowl game. But the I, Iowa, uh, Missouri, TCU, Arkansas games, both of those got canceled. So we were left with 16 bowl games to, to round out the season. 26 total bowl games down, one to go. And I'll tell you what, this is probably the 15th straight year that I've gotten to watch every single bowl game. It's really been a lot of fun. This is one of my favorite times of year. You know, when you start getting into, you know, it's really the start of the pre-draft coverage because you're looking at a lot of the guys Obviously, we're talking about some some players this year that have opted out. And most of the guys that opted out are guys that we're looking at saying, all right, they're probably going to be taken in the first two days of the draft. There were some guys that were some, some exceptions to that rule. But what's nice about that is we can also take a look at some guys that we're going to see come off the board on day three. And, and I'll tell you what, the guys that did stick around in the first, that we expect to come off the board in the first two days of the draft, answered a lot of questions so let's go ahead and jump right into the action rose bowl alabama notre dame and i'll tell you what this really wasn't a contest uh alabama taking down the irish 31 14 and obviously the crimson tide led by their heisman trophy winning wide receiver Devonte smith the first receiver to win since well, desmond howard back in 1991 and just the fourth receiver ever to win the heisman trophy uh, Devontae also winning the Maxwell Award, Walter Camp Award, and obviously the Fred Bolitnikoff Award for the best receiver. Uh, and he had another day. Look, you know, seven receptions, 130 yards, three touchdowns. And what you see with him, he's just so smooth. The sharp cuts, the ability to sink his hips and drive in and out of those breaks. Speed over the top, a guy that's able to run underneath, you know, fearless going over the middle and uh, can run away from defenders. What you love about him is he's so unselfish as a blocker. He was able to block for not only Najee Harris on the outside, but his fellow receivers. And that's really what you want to see out of out of your, your top wide receiver. And when I look at Devontae Smith, you know, I know that I'm not the first person to make this comparison, but I really see a lot of Marvin Harrison in him. They're both about the same size, six foot, 180, 185-ish. Um, and Marvin Harrison, look, Hall of Fame credentials, 19th overall pick in the 1996 draft, ran a 43840. I could see Devontae Smith running in that range as well. And in that draft, 
you know, Keyshawn Johnson went number one overall. The late Terry Glenn also taken high in that draft. And then Eddie Kennison taken one pick before Marvin Harrison. And I'll tell you what, I don't think Devontae Smith is going to wait until pick number 19 to hear his name called. I know Todd McShay said that he's going to come off the board, uh, or at least in his first mock draft uh, of the, the 2021 calendar year. He, uh, McShay has him going number three to, to Miami. I think that's a little rich for my blood right now, at least with Tua at quarterback. You know, Dan Orlovsky, uh, you know, of ESPN fame, had a really good comparison with Tua Tagovailoa, and I, I agree 100%. You look at who he is. He's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not Russell Wilson, not the guy that can improvise. Well, who is he? He's Drew Brees, a guy that can sit there within that offense and run it to perfection. Has a little bit of athleticism to him, but he's not a guy that's going to create on his own. What did New Orleans do in front of him? They drafted linemen. Ryan Ramchek, Andrus Pete, Eric McCoy. Miami should be doing the exact same thing. You know, it'll be interesting to see what they do in the offseason. You saw, you know, Cleveland picking up Jack Conklin in free agency. They get Jedrick Wills at left tackle, able to protect Baker Mayfield a little bit more. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what Miami does there at, at number three. I don't think it's going to be Devontae Smith um, unless those rumors about Deshaun Watson potentially getting traded to Miami for Tua and some picks has any merit. I mean, it, it sounds pretty wild right now, but uh, if that were to happen and Miami still holds that number three pick, I don't know that you're necessarily looking at that offensive line and saying, all right, we have to go number three. Maybe we take the receiver now, and then later on in the draft, we get our offensive tackle, especially if they're able to find one in free agency. Um, you know, So there are a lot of questions that still need to be asked, but I think Devontae Smith is uh, probably the you know the top one or two receivers in this draft. He and Jamar Chase. I know some people really love Jalen Waddle. They look at him as another uh, Tyree Kill, and I think they have the same measurables, about 5'10", 185 pounds. Um, but Devontae Smith, to me, just so smooth. Just, there, there's nothing that you can really look at and say that this guy doesn't do well. And um, so that's why, to me, I think Devontae Smith may actually have the edge over Jamar Chase. Um, so when you look at the quarterback position, though, Mac Jones, 6'3", 214 redshirt sophomore, a guy that was kind of a virtual unknown, but they talked about it in a lot of the uh, postseason awards shows about just the preparation that this guy has. He's not going to wow you with his athleticism by any means, but a guy by the name of Tom Brady did not wow anybody when he, he went in the sixth round of the draft. Uh, very unassuming, uh, but the preparation for Mac Jones has been tremendous and that's one of the things that you see with him you know there's a reason why mac jones was the davy o'brien award winner the johnny unitas golden arm award winner um you know this is a kid you know when you look at who's won those awards you know the davy o'brien before him it was kyler murray joe burrow and if you look at the, the the johnny unitas award gardner Minshew and joe burrow as well you know, when i look at mac jones Again, in this game, 25 at 30, 297 yards, four touchdowns, no picks. Look, this guy doesn't force it. He's going to take what the defense gives him. And that's the thing that I think, you know, that preparation allows him to be able to do that. Then anticipation. He's throwing the ball before receivers are out of their break. Preparation. Ball placement. Knows exactly where to go with the football, where to put the ball, so that only his receiver can make a play on the ball. Preparation. Deep ball accuracy. This is a guy... The, the, the pinpoint accuracy 
down the field. Receivers aren't breaking stride. You know, yes, a lot of times those receivers are open, but even when they're not, this is a guy who knows where to put the football and allow his receivers to make plays after the catch. Preparation. Mac Jones, to me, there's a chance that he can come off the board first half of round one. There are a lot of teams that are in need of a quarterback. So it's going to be interesting to see exactly where he goes. Najee Harris, the running back, 6'2", 230 pounds, 15 carries, 125 yards, also have four catches for 30 yards. But look, Doak Walker Award winner. We can talk about the power. We can talk about the speed, the vision, the patience. But man, we got to talk about that highlight, huh? Catches that football in the slot in uh, in the flat, and without breaking stride, jumps over a six-foot corner named Nick McLeod. Doesn't break stride at all down the sideline. Tremendous athleticism for a guy his size. You know, teams are going to be looking for the next Derrick Henry, and where are they going to find him? Nashi Harris could be that guy. And look, this is a guy who also does a really good job protecting his quarterback. Something that Travis Etienne struggles with. And you know, I look at. at Harris, the combination of the power and the speed. I think ETN has the, the speed on him and ETN has developed more of that power game. They both are decent receivers out of the backfield. I still have Najee Harris as my number one back. Alex Leatherwood, Outland Trophy winner. Man, I mean this, it seemed like everybody from Alabama winning trophies. You know, uh, Landon Dickerson, you know, down with that knee injury, not going to play uh, Chris Owens taking his, his spot, but he won the Remington uh, Trophy as well. But Alex Leatherwood, look, you know, 6'4", 3'13". There are questions whether or not he can play left tackle at the next level. Could he play tackle at all? Is he going to kick inside the guard? I think he's really silenced any of those doubters. Did a great job against Ade Ogundeje. You know, 670-pound defensive end who has some explosion, uh, some power as well. And I'll tell you what, he stayed low. He kept his hands inside. And when he was able to do that, he was able to slide with his man, keep him in front. And I thought Alex Leatherwood had a great day and proved to everyone that he can be a tackle at the next level. Liam Eikenberg, also you know an Outland Trophy finalist in this game. And look, 6'6", 302. And you know, he's not the best athlete. He's not the strongest. But I'll tell you what, what he is is he's polished. He's a technician. And uh, he, he's been under control and consistent. Very balanced player. Excellent footwork. Um, excellent hands as well. He'll, he'll beat you with the hand fighting, but you know he's very consistent with the hands inside. The one time that he really got in trouble with himself was he'd get too, a little too far, you know, extended over his toes. In the running game, there was one play where Chris, Christopher Allen, the linebacker, was able to get off of his block and drop Kyron Williams uh, for no gain. Um, but when you watch him in pass protection especially, that's really what Liam Eikenberg, that's his calling card. Whether it was Christian Barmore, Christian Harris, Christopher Allen, it didn't matter, Will Anderson, it didn't matter who lined up against him, he was winning reps. I think Will Anderson did get him once on an, on an inside move, but for the most part, Liam Eikenberg kept his quarterback clean. He's a guy to me that deserves first-round consideration. I have him as a top four or five offensive tackle in this draft. You, know, you have the Buckus Award winner uh, on that side of the ball, is, or I'm sorry, for Notre Dame as well. Uh, Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa, JOK, 6'2", 215, ACC Defensive Player of the Year. I heard a great comparison. Ryan uh, Roberts of uh, you know, NFL Draft Bible um, did a really good job, uh, in my opinion, comparing him to Jamal Adams, the guy that's kind of that safety linebacker hybrid. And you watch him in the depth in, in, in coverage, uh, dropped in the passing lane, affected a pass, got outside, you know, outside contain. 
forced a, a running back back to the inside. Um, you watch him when he does play in the box, drop it into coverage as well. Safety, cor uh, safe, safety linebacker hybrid, about the same size as Jamal Adams. I think that comparison really makes a lot of sense. Uh, you know, and I'll tell you, if there was a, a guy that hurt his draft stock, it's been Dylan Moses, a 6'3", 240-pound linebacker. Everyone was expecting to see the 2018 production and the athleticism. ACL tear in 2019, he admitted that he's been battling you know, pain and really hasn't been 100% from that knee injury. And, uh, you know, it, it's really shown. He, he gets lost in coverage. He ends up grabbing receivers, did that again with Kyron Williams on a route. And then Kyron Williams on a run play in the hole runs through Moses' arm tackle now this is a, a guy who's who's very intelligent you know the like another coach on the field really is the guy that gets everybody lined up on defense but to me i'm worried that he may not even be a day two guy he may end up falling to day three because of some of these physical limitations you know and really if that knee is continuing to bother him then you know obviously the medicals are going to be huge transitioning to the other college football playoff game the sugar bowl Ohio State with the upset of, of Clemson, 49-28. And I'll tell you what, Justin Fields answered the call. Uh, you know, really the big question mark with him was, what can he do when the lights were brightest against the, the top-level ranked opponents? You know, in, in 2019, you know, he threw three interceptions. They were all in bowl, you know, against ranked opponents. Uh, threw his first one against Michigan State, number 25 ranked Spartans. And then the last two coming in that Clemson game uh, in the, the national semifinal. Still threw for 63.2% you know, of his passes completed. Um, but 14 touchdowns, three interceptions. Um, this season, what's crazy is, is you look at it at a combined, you know, we don't count the Penn State game. Uh, Penn State ultimately 4-5 and five on the year. Um, but 30 of 57, 414 yards, two touchdowns, and five interceptions against Indiana Northwestern. That's 52.6%, you know, completion percentage. And, and in these games, for those two seasons, if we put all that together, it was 138 of 228, which is 60.6% of his passes, uh, 1,896 yards, 16 touchdowns, and eight interceptions. When you think about that against other opponents, he was he completed 75.5% of his passes for 4409 4, yards, 40 touchdowns and no interceptions. Are you kidding me? You know, you know that's the thing. Into this game, what's he you know, yes, he's got he's got the accuracy. He's got a tremendous arm. You know, the arm strength just looks stronger this year. Um, does a really good job, you know, with his anticipation, throwing receivers open, uh, the athleticism, big, strong, physical kid. In this game, 22 of 28, 78.8% completion percentage, 385 yards, six touchdowns, did throw one pick on the day. But I'll tell you what, you know, Justin Fields absolutely answered the call. And the toughness, I think, as much as anything, took a huge shot, that targeting penalty, that that you know, James Skalski getting ejected for the second year in a row in the playoff. And uh, you know, took took that hit. You know, really in pain. You saw him on the bike, you know, and he was yelling out in pain, and yet he fought through it. You know, the torque that he's going to have to put on his body to make some of those throws, and he was still pinpoint accurate with those throws down the field. I think he's answered a lot of the questions. Justin Fields, to me, he's battling Zach Wilson for that number two quarterback spot. And honestly, 
it really is, is kind of a toss-up to me. Who's going to go number number two overall now that we know that Trevor Lawrence is going to go number one overall to Jacksonville? That's going to be a huge question mark, and that's something that we're going to be taking a look at throughout this uh, this draft process for the next four months. Uh, but Justin Fields absolutely answered the call. I'll tell you another guy who's really improved his draft stock is Trey Sermon. 31 carries, 193 yards, and a touchdown, along with four receptions for 61 yards. One game removed from the 331-yard performance against Northwestern in the Big Ten Championship. 11.4 yards per carry. And here's the thing with, with Trey Sermon. He was the OU transfer, really sharing a lot of time in the backfield with, with Kennedy Brooks, uh, Rodney Anderson, and really didn't get to showcase who he was. And, and the first part of the year, he was sharing the backfield, sharing time with, with Master Teague. But man, he's really hit his stride. You know, runs angry. He's 6'1", 215 pounds, runs with power, deceptive speed. He ends up getting to that second level, and I don't think guys really expect him to be as fast as he is. Runs downhill, runs angry, but you see the vision. You know, inside zones, being able to find the hole, get that cup back, hit the cutback lane, and get north and south. Big physical presence, and I'll tell you what, when you look at the running back position, obviously you have Harrison Etienne, one, two. You have the dynamic duo there from North Carolina and Michael Carter and Javante Williams. I have Carter, uh, four, and Williams, three. After that, you have to put in Trey Sermon right after that. You know, I, I think with this running back class, Trey Sermon has definitely solidified himself as a top five back. And that's one of the things that I think Alabama is going to have to watch out for is that running game. Because I think if Ohio State gets going, you know, really, you know, a lot of that play action that Justin Fields is going to be able to run, allowing him to, to hit some of those deep balls to uh, Garrett Wilson and to Chris Olave, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, Trevor Lawrence... Look, you know, not the typical Trevor Lawrence day. You know, it was 33 of 48, did throw for 400 yards, two touchdowns, an interception. Um, you know, he, look, 34 and two as a starter going out, you know, there at, at Clemson. But, you know, this was a guy who was under pressure a lot more. I think we got to see what would Trevor Lawrence look like at the next level uh, playing for Jacksonville, you know, a team that you know you're going to probably see a lot of, uh, you know, see a lot of you know, defenders in your face uh, the first couple of years until they get that offensive line chored up. What you do have with, with Trevor Lawrence, you know, this is the guy, look, you know, I thought he did a better job. You know, there are times where he'd stare down receivers, um, you know, and there were times where he did that in this game, but you saw him going through progressions. You saw the athleticism. This is a guy, he reminds you of Marcus Mariota. You're know, just a long strider. Doesn't really, You don't realize just how fast he is until he gets into the open field. And that's where he was really dynamic. Um, you know, really developed chemistry with both both Amari Rogers and Cornell Powell. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if one of those guys ends up on the Jaguars next year just because of the chemistry that they built. Um, Trevor Lawrence is going to be fine, though. You know, I, I think people talk about him. Hey, he's not the uh, the elite prospect. He's a good, great prospect, but he's not an elite prospect. Yeah, you know, I could sit there and find passes where he's, you know, any quarterback has sailed a football over over a receiver, you know, gets a little bit too far extended, uh, you know, and, and ends up sailing a football. You're going to see that out of any quarterback at any given time. You're going to find that to fit your narrative. But look, you know, he's the number one quarterback for a reason. We'll get into more of the details as we start talking about the quarterback position during the pre-draft process. Um, but you know, Trevor Lawrence, unfortunately, you know, his career has come to an end there for Clemson, which means we now enter the DJ Uyunglele era 
with Davo Sweeney. So when you look at the next game that really should be jumping out to everyone, it was going to be, uh, you know, that, that game in the Cotton Bowl, AT&T Stadium again, and you had Ohio, Oklahoma taking on Florida. Now, granted, Florida, Kyle Trask was going to be without Kyle Pitts, his, his Mackey Award-winning tight, tight end. He's going to be without Kadarius Toney and, uh, you know, Trevon Grimes, his receivers that are all that declared for the draft. And then Jacob Copeland also in, you know, missing the game due to COVID-19. And so Kyle Trask throwing to guys like Justin Shorter, Xavier Henderson, Rick Wells, Akimor Gamble, the, the tight end, um, you know, Trent Whittemore, Keon Zipperer, you know, really that, that, that a lot of young guys. And this was going to be a chance for Kyle or, you know, Kyle Trask to really step up and show everyone that he's somebody who can, doesn't really matter who he's throwing to. He can really elevate his game. Uh, and the Heisman Trophy or Heisman Trophy finalists struggled mightily in this game. Um, you know, and that's really the game kind of got away from them because uh, of all of the interceptions. Had a pick six. Trey Norwood picking off a pass, returning it for a touchdown. Finished the day 16 of 26, 158 yards, three interceptions. Did not throw a touchdown pass for the first time in his career. And this was the guy. Look, he was staring. He stared down Rick Wells um, on a on an out route, and Trey Norwood read it, jumped the route, pick six, going to the second, you know, going to the house, his second throw of the game, um, you know, and just really struggling to, you know, there was another another pass, you know, just struggling with the accuracy. Gamble the tight end over the middle. Ball thrown a little bit behind and high, went off tight end's hand. Interception by the linebacker, Brian Asamoa. And, and OU just was relentless. That, that pass rush getting after Kyle Trask, you could tell he was rattled at times. He's somebody, you can see the talent there. there there's no question about that. He has the average arm strength, which really uh, is going to limit his draft stock. That's the difference between him and Mac Jones. Mac Jones may not be the most athletic, but his arm strength is absolutely there. Something that Kyle Trask, I think, you know, he has to really put a lot of that body into the throws. But at the same time, you know, the precision passing, you know, he he sees the field really well. You can tell that the preparation is there. Anticipation, he was throwing the ball before guys were out of their breaks. Um, you know, and so some of the, the inaccuracy in this game, I think, was the lack of real... Uh, chemistry developed with some of these younger receivers. You saw that with Josh Allen when he was at Wyoming. He lost all of his his top wideouts, uh, you know, from from Tanner Gentry to his running back Brian Hill, uh, his tight end Jacob Hollister. They were all gone, and so it's, he struggled with accuracy. And look, Kyle Trask in one game, you know, he lost his top four leading receivers, and now he's got a, you know a next group of guys that he has to throw the football to without much preparation. Yeah, it's, it's a recipe for disaster, and Kyle Trask really suffered for that. You know, his draft stock, you know, he probably should be, you know, he reminds me a lot of Mason Rudolph. You know, I, I think, you know, that that's that could be a, a decent comparison there. Mason Rudolph went off the board to Pittsburgh in the third round. I think because there are so many quarter teams desperate for quarterbacks, I think Kyle Trask ends up going uh, mid-second round. Um, and, and I think, you know, the... The future is not lost for Kyle Trask because of this game, but uh, there are more questions than answers to his game at this point. Um, Ronnie Perkins, I'll tell you what, OU, two players really changed the complexion of this team. 
Defensively, it was Ronnie Perkins, a 6'3", 247-pound junior. This guy, when you flip on the game film, you watch number seven, this is the guy, he was bullying guys. You know, he used those hands to really just push those offensive tackles around. He was splitting the double team by the tight end and the left tackle to get into the backfield, uh, you know, pressuring Kyle, uh, Kyle Trask and Will. Inside move, gets to the quarterback in a hurry. You know, this is a guy who, before... Perkins, OU struggle to put pressure on the quarterback. Perkins shows up, and suddenly Nick Benito is getting to the quarterback. You see, you know, Perrion Winfrey, the, the Juco nose tackle. He's going to be a stud. This is a guy that just continued to push the pocket, seemed to be unblockable at times into the backfield. Uh, and then you have Isaiah Thomas, the 6'5", 267-pound junior, one of the top defensive ends in the Big 12. He really, you saw him mature that much more. It was because of the presence of Ronnie Perkins. And I think Ronnie Perkins is going to be a day two guy and somebody who is going to be just that explosive uh, playmaker coming off the edge. And then conversely, you know, when you look at the offensive side of the football, you have Ramondre Stevenson, the six foot, 246 pound, just, I mean, so powerful. Um, the quick feet for a guy his size, guard tackle, pull around to the left, uh, very, you know, trademark OU. And uh, he gets to the edge and uses this kind of reverse spin move on Jaden Hill, uh, the, the defensive back, to get inside him and then getting down the field. Um, you know, off tackle plays, very patient, waiting the, for those blocks to develop. You know, a guy, again, on those guard tackle pulls, doing a tremendous job following his blockers. 18 carries, 186 yards, and a score. Um, you know, he's a guy, to me, outside of the, the top six. Obviously, you have Kenneth you know, Kenneth Gainwell. You have Javian Hawkins. Don't sleep on Ramondre Stevenson. This is a guy, he has soft hands for a guy his size. And, uh, you know, he has the, has the feet to go with you know, being a bruising running back. You know, again, teams are going to be looking for the next... Derek Henry, you know, you're going to look, want to find those guys who can be pow, you know, power and speed. And Ramondre Stevenson is that guy. Um, not saying that he's going to be Derek Henry by any means, but, uh, you know, those are the types of guys that they're looking for there at the next level. Spencer Rattler, look, you know, the 6'1, 205 pound redshirt sophomore, or redshirt freshman, excuse me. He's the favorite to win the Heisman. And, you know, there's a big reason why in this game, you know, uh, 14 to 23. Um, 247 yards, three touchdowns, you know, and you just see the swagger, you know, and the way that he plays the game. Um, you can tell that this kid is going to be special. The ball just jumps off of his, uh, you know, just a live arm. The ball just jumps off of his hand uh, a little bit different. And, uh, you know, somebody that that is a, a lot of fun to watch here. Uh, we'll get to see him in the, in the coming years. Um, Fiesta Bowl, number 10 ranked Iowa State uh, Cyclones. 34-17 winners over the 25th-ranked Oregon Ducks. In that game, Rock Purdy, 156 yards in the score. Uh, Brees Hall, you know, 24 carries, 136 yards, uh, and a couple of touchdowns. Charlie Kohler, five catches, 53 yards. So your quarterback, running back, tight end. All of these guys are coming back to Ames, Iowa. Mike Rose, the linebacker, look, another six tackles, had a half tackle for loss, an interception. He's also coming back. To, uh, to Ames, and I'll tell you what, if you're Matt Campbell, you have to be ecstatic, um, you know, especially, you know, this is a team, they're ranked number 10, they're in the top 10 in the country, who would have thought Iowa State would be doing that, but Matt Campbell was able to do that in his fifth season 
at the helm, and the future is looking bright. Uh, but I'll give you a guy uh, on Iowa State that I was looking at, Chase Allen, the tight end, 6'7", 240 pounds, um, shows some decent hands. But what I'll tell you is watching him block Kayvon Thibodeau. When Thibodeau, you know, especially on the run plays, um, but you know, whenever you know Chase Allen was was kept inside the block, this guy was not getting by him. You know, Chase Allen to me, I think from a blocking standpoint, very underrated. He'll be a day three guy. He'll probably get drafted in the sixth, seventh round. But a guy who I think can make an NFL roster as a blocker and uh, you know show some decent hands um, that I think people weren't really expecting until this season. Uh, Jordan Scott uh, of Oregon, the nose tackle, 6'1", uh, 325 pounds, had a sack on the day, really, you know, ended up getting pushed past the quarterback and, uh, you know, showed really good quickness off the ball and ended up, I think he ran by Purdy. And then when Brock Purdy tried to, to step up and, and escape uh, pressure, Jordan Scott never giving up on the play, working back to the quarterback, able to drop him for that for that sack. Uh, Jordan Scott, to me, is a guy that to watch out for as a mid-day three guy as well. Uh, you move to the Orange Bowl, number five, Texas A&M Aggies, 41 to, uh, 27 winners over the 13th-ranked uh, UNC Tar Heels. Uh, Kellen Mond, look, another up-and-down day, uh, you know, 16 to 26, 232 yards, 11 carries, 36 yards, and, and a touchdown. This is a guy, when he's under pressure, you know, he panics. You watch him with the footwork. You know, gets inconsistent, um, very inconsistent, pushing the football down the field. That accuracy struggles at times. Doesn't always keep his feet set when he's throwing the football either. You know, when he does so, it can be a pretty ball. And I think there are some there are some traits there when you watch him play. You know, he's had some put together some really a string of really good games. And, and to me, I think Kellen Mond can end up being potentially that number seven quarterback. Uh, behind our, our top six guys, um, if we want to name them off, obviously there's there's Lawrence, Fields, and Wilson, then uh, Trey Lance, Mac Jones, and Kyle Trask. Kellen Mond still has the is in that running there to be the number seven uh, quarterback. You know what was interesting was Texas A&M they were struggling, they were down to UNC. Isaiah Spiller, the super sophomore, a guy that's going to be one of the top running backs uh, in, in next season's class, because I anticipate he'll probably end up coming out. Um, he wasn't really getting the job done. Uh, so Devin Ashane came in, ran for 100, over 140 yards and a couple of scores, ultimately helped you know, move uh, at the Aggies into the win column. And it's because of the Maroon Goons, man. You know, Joe Moore, award finalist. And uh, you know Kenyon Green, obviously this is the guy. He's the big bully of the group and probably the best pro prospect. 6'4", 325, the sophomore. He'll be back for another year. But a guy that uh, is just a mauler and a guy that looks to beat you up. Um, but I think all of these guys really are. Carson Green, 6'6", 320 pounds, making his 43rd start in this game. Very physical at the, at the right tackle position. I thought, you know, a guy that played really well. He's limited athletically, but you see some of the technique. Does a really good job keeping his, you know, his hands inside. Knee bender as well. Doesn't really get too far over his toes. Um, you know, Dan Moore, 37th start. He's 6'5", 315. Did a decent job, you know, sliding, picking up blitzes there at the left tackle position. And their center, Ryan McCollum, in his 23rd start, 6'5", 300. Another guy that I thought, you know, playing with decent leverage, showed some good movement in the running game, uh, was injured for a little bit of that, that game. Kenyon Green actually slid over to the center position. Ryan McCollum made it back later on. And then how about Daz Newsom, the 5'10", 190-pound deep ball wizard there for UNC. There was a slot fade, and the ball was thrown 
a little bit to the inside and uh, the, the defensive back Antonio Johnson gets a hand on it to tip it and you saw you know Daz Newsom you know with a diving catch the concentration the hands uh, the body control uh, Daz Newsom did it all on that play and just a guy that you know got his feet in bounds he's one of those guys to me you know is is a deep ball guy you know I, I think you know Deami Brown struggled with some drops Daz Newsom you know, not a you know wasn't necessarily the flashy guy, but a guy that's going to be that deep ball wizard and, and a guy that's going to be a, a, a nice weapon for for a team there looking to stretch defenses. Um, Outback Bowl, you have the number 11th ranked Indiana Hoosiers going down to Mississippi, 28-26. Um, and look, you know I think the best player when when Indiana had the football. Um, you know, I know Ty Freifogel was a Big Ten wide receiver of the year. He announced he's coming back to Bloomington, but the best player on the field when Indiana had the football was Wap Fillier. He was 6'1", 180 pounds, um, had 18 catches on the day for 81 yards. This guy was, was an underneath weapon extraordinaire. And that's the thing, I, I think, with, with, uh, with Jack Tuttle, the backup quarterback, you know, he just really struggled pushing the football down the field. And I think that limited what Ty Freifogel was able to do. When Michael Penix was in there, he was looking to throw the football down the field. And that's where Ty Freifogel excelled. A couple of games over 200 yards. You still have Watt Fillior attacking the, the middle of the field. And that was really what Jack Tuttle needed. That was a safety valve, a safety blanket. And what you saw with Watt Fillior, you know, he was very sudden. He's quicker than he is fast. Um, getting in and out of his breaks really quickly um, and just a reliable target there. You know, one year removed from a thousand yard season. I think he's going to be a day three guy, but somebody that's going to make an NFL roster and be a nice slot receiver for a team. Um, you know, what's crazy when you look at, 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 at Indiana, you have Caleb Jones, the big 6'8", 362 pound uh, junior tackle. But this is a big dude. He struggled at times keeping Sam Williams, the, the speed rusher, in front of him. But, you know, when Sam Williams, when he he, he would get engulfed at times and with with Caleb Jones, when he was able to beat him out of the out of his stance, you know, actually get a decent kick slide, just being so long and just so massive, he would engulf Sam Williams, who's four inches smaller and over giving up just about 100 pounds to him. Uh, Sam Williams, though, um, you know, going up against uh, Luke Haggard, um, who saw some time there at left tackle, um, really extended that left arm into him coming off the edge to shorten that edge and really did a good job with speed coming off the edge as well to get to the quarterback. He's already announced he's coming back to Oxford. Caleb Jones is also coming back. I wanted to talk a little bit about Caleb Jones, though, because when you look at him, you know, I think of a couple of OU Sooners. You know, he's a left tackle there, but I think he's going to kick over to the right side. You saw Phil Lodehold do that decade there at minnesota big uh physical dude uh orlando brown jr look you know a, a pro bowl tackle playing on the right side there for baltimore he's had to kick over um you know with ronnie stanley having some issues but i think the future is still bright there at indiana you know uh the, the defense on the back end especially taiwan mullen you know only a sophomore first team all big big 10 jamar johnson their their junior safety also coming back the power running game with, with Stevie Scott uh, running between the tackles, 6'2", 231 pounds, a one-cut-and-go type of a runner. I think he'll be coming back to, to Bloomington as well. Uh, and then defensively, they've got Micah McFadden, their, their do-everything linebacker, 6'2", 235 pounds. He'll be back. 
uh, as well. So, I mean, when you watch this, you know, Matt Corral, the, the quarterback, 6'1", 205, the redshirt sophomore, got some things to clean up a little bit with his decision-making, but definitely athletic. You know, one of those guys like Zach Wilson, who has that real explosive release. You know, guys want to square their shoulders and be a lot more robotic and, and deliberate with their delivery. But Matt Corral is one of those guys like Zach Wilson where, you know, he'll be running, you know, running parallel to the line of scrimmage and all of a sudden that shoulders, hips, everything in one motion and just a flick of the wrist and getting the football out with accuracy. I think Matt Corral is someone to watch for next season. Um, you know, when Mississippi had the football, the best pro prospect, in my opinion, was Royce Newman. The, the right tackle, 6'6", 310 pounds, very balanced, very consistent in this game. The hand placement, keeping it inside, showed really nice uh, lateral agility, did a decent job in the running game as well. He's going to be someone to watch out for there, um, either late day two, early day three potential. Gator Bowl, NC State, Kentucky, Kentucky getting the nod here, 23-21 over the 23 23rd ranked. Wolfpack, um, and it was all about the offensive line. Look, you know, John Schlarman, the late great offensive line coach there at, at Kentucky, um, really instills a workmanlike approach and big physical dudes. And, and Landon Young and, and Drake Jackson are two guys, you know, that are probably going to be, you know, day three, but, but day three picks, but guys that are going to make NFL rosters. Landon Young to me, 6'6, 321. He can play inside a guard because of that power and, and that physicality to his game. Um, could also play the, the, the tackle position as well. Um, decent hands. Showed the hips to be able to get around in the running game. Uh, Drake Jackson, limited athletically. You know, real slow to get out on a pull. You know, struggles getting to the second level, but really good hands. Um, 6'2", 292 pounds. Um, A.J. Rose, the running back. 6'1", 214 pounds. Uh, 12 carries, 148 yards. Showed speed to the perimeter. And then the contact balance. Spinning, you know, off the defensive backs. Uh, jump cut ability as well. He's somebody who could be a late day three guy and could surprise some people there at the next level. Um, Darian Kennard, uh, they're, they're Kentucky's uh, right tackle, an All-American. He's 6'5", 345 pounds. A big physical presence there on the right tackle position. Reminds me a lot of Cody Ford coming out of Oklahoma. He, I believe he's coming back uh, to Kentucky for one more season. He'll be a guy to keep an eye on. Um, that, that could be a mover and shaker coming up draft boards uh, in uh, next year's draft. Um, Citrus Bowl, you had Northwestern taking on Auburn, number uh, 14th ranked uh, Wildcats, getting the job done, 35-19 over Auburn. Uh, I'll tell you what, Peyton Ramsey's going to be a quarterback. He may not get drafted, but he's going to end up finding a roster. This is a guy who I think, you know, just the you know the, the veteran leadership that he's had, both at Indiana and at Nor uh, Northwestern. Um, you know, I think it says something. You know, the Northwestern struggled the last couple of years with some stability at the quarterback position. Peyton Ramsey absolutely did that. I mean, that's a re big reason why Northwestern was ranked number 14 in the country and was, you know, the Big Big Ten championship. You know, he was 24, 35, 291 yards, three touchdowns. Not going to wow you um, in, in any category, but just a smart, heady player. He'll be on an NFL roster, mark my words. Um, you know, then you have the linebacking uh, law firm of Fisher, Gallagher, and Bergen. Uh, 31 tackles, a tackle for loss, and a quarterback Curry amongst this group. Patty Fisher's the 6'3", 240-pound uh, linebacker that flies all around to the football. Um, does a lot, you know, he's much better moving downhill. 
in a straight line than he is dropping into coverage. Although, when you watch him in zone coverage, those eyes, he's got exceptional eyes and instincts, reading the quarterbacks, getting into throwing lanes, and really has an effect on, on, uh, you know, on, on the passing game. Um, I thought for Auburn, their best player, you know, Seth Williams, five catches, 72 yards. The big thing that I worry about there is, is he going to be a J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, you know, a guy that's just going to be, um, you know, a, a post-up guy, you know, or are we going to see a little bit more out of Seth Williams? I think he'll still end up being a day-two pick, you know, but I, I caution, you know, everyone with, with Seth Williams. There's a lot to like, you know, uh, about him, but there's just vibes that, that I get with him that I just I wonder if he's going to be able to separate against the game the game's top corners. Peach Bowl, Georgia taking on Cincinnati. You know another pair of, of top ten teams. The Bearcats were number eight in the country. Georgia number nine. Bulldogs taking them down 24-21. Um, you know and in this game I'll tell you what Aziz Ojolari, you know 6'3", 240 pounds, redshirt sophomore. You saw the burst. You know, the, the rip move, you know, to, to really turn the corner in a hurry. You saw the flexibility to bend coming off the edge. You know, he'd attack the left tackle's left hand, and then he'd rip through. Um, tremendous hip fle- flexibility coming off the edge. Very disruptive. He's going to be one of the top edge rushers coming off the board. Jordan Davis, look, 6'4", 326. The junior was very physical at the point of attack. You know, a bench press his man to disengage. And then he showed... You know some short area quickness for a guy his size chasing ball carriers down and then he also was able to to give you know, get a good push and then get big to block a, a field goal you know a critical field goal in the game um you know jt daniels only a sophomore but look he's still through for 392 and a touchdown you see the arm talent there um you know he'll come back for one more year and uh you know look to put on a show there you know next year's draft class for the quarterbacks is going to be a lot of fun to watch Desmond Ritter, you know, could add his name to that group as well. 6'4", 215. He could potentially come out this year, but I think there's still some things that he needs to clean up um, in terms of uh, the decision-making at times. You know, but he, he absolutely has a cannon for an arm. You see the anticipation, throwing his receivers open. I think he could, you know, work on some of that touch as well. I think that's where he can struggle at times. Um, defensively for, for Cincinnati, you know, I think Kobe Bryant showed up well. 6'1", 198. Um, you know, was covering George Pickens on his hip with inside leverage, ball thrown to the inside, able to make a play on the football and, and pick off a pass. He'll be a guy that could be, you know, day three consideration. When you talk about West Virginia and Army, if you were to just look at the box score, you know, you look at it and say, well, Darius Still is just three tackles, pretty unassuming day. But uh, when you're talking about you know the six foot six one 280 pound senior nose tackle, he's the Big Ten defensive lineman of the year for a reason and an All American. He was so disruptive. This is a guy who, who plays with uh, plays with some attitude, and, and it all starts with a, with, a, with an explosive first step and that low pad level. When he comes off the ball, firing so low, um, he's so difficult to block because he's so quick. He has some power to his game as well. You know, you'd see him shooting through the, the gap, running by the center before he could even get his hands on him. And when he did, he'd use this really nice swim move, kind of a club and a swim move to get by and get in the backfield. And the thing with it was, was even when he wasn't making the tackle, he was forcing running backs and, and the quarterback, fullback, whoever was carrying the football for Army to change their path. 
and ultimately was sending him into uh, you know other defenders. You know, Josh Chandler Semedo had 13 tackles on the day. A big reason why was because Dar uh, Darius Stills was affecting plays, and his brother playing next to him, the junior Dar uh, Dante Stills. He's 6'4", 280 pounds. The guy who has uh, you know had eight sacks and 14 tackles for loss a season ago. You know, this was somebody who. Did a really good job shooting shooting gaps, getting into the backfield, but then also pursuing the football down the line of scrimmage. Um, the Stills brothers were the best players on the field on the field in, in that game, and really, you know, Army. It was all about their their run game. You know that that spread option that they run, and when you've got Darius Stills repeatedly getting into the backfield, just making it so difficult to be blocked. Army had a tough time. Really, you know, they'd have to try to get wide, and you know, they were there were times where they were able to outflank uh, West Virginia, but you, know, you had to sit there and figure out where Darius Stills was lined up, you know, and, and what what gap, you know, what shoulder was he going to attack at the centers, and try to to run off of that and run away from him because when you are running anywhere near Darius Stills, he was having effect on that run play. And he's a guy, look, he's undersized. He'll probably end up being a day three guy. But he's a guy to watch out for, I'm telling you. Um, Arizona Bowl. Ball State put a whooping on San Jose State, you know, 34-13. Nick Starkle struggled in that game, had three interceptions. But, I, you know, he's a kid that's coming back for another year. He's somebody, he's one of the guys that's flying under the radar, had a great game in that Mountain West Championship, getting the, Spartan, uh, the, the Spartans their very first Mountain West Championship, beating Boise State, threw for 400, over 400 yards in that game. Um, he's a guy that's going to be back. But look, he was without, you know, Bailey, Ga Bailey Gaither, his six-foot receiver, um, you know, the, the guy that was really that deep threat for him. Um, also missing was Cade Hall, the 6'2", the 260-pound Mountain West Defensive Player of the Year. Ten sacks on the year. A guy that bends really well, physical with his hands. I think he's going to come back for one more year. If so, he'll be one of the top edge rushers uh, in, in consideration for next season. You know, he, His running mate, Viliami Fajoko, 6'4", 253. He was the guy that was getting into backfields. So, so San Jose... State, they've got some players that are going to be coming back for them. Uh, Trey Walker, their, their slot receiver, he had a had a decent day. You know, he's going to be somebody, you know, struggled at times with his hands, so let the ball get into his body. Um, he's going to struggle to be that, you know, a day three pick. He may end up having to make a roster as an undrafted free agent. Um, Ball State, look, they've got guys coming back as well. Johannes Tyler, the big 6'3 receiver, four catches, 105 yards. He's the guy to watch out for. You know, obviously they were without Caleb Huntley, the running back, who I think could be a day three pick and a guy to watch out for as well. He's a 230-pound running back um, and very physical between the tackles. Um, if there's going to be a guy for Ball State this year, it's going to be Antonio Phillips. 5'11", 187 pounds, was playing an off coverage, about 10 yards off the ball. And was ultimately, he was trailing uh, Jeremiah Braddock. Uh, and the ball went up the seam. Was able to, you know, had inside leverage, able to undercut the route, pick six, took it 53 yards back to the house to really ignite the, the Cardinals in this game. Uh, Antonio Phillips, to me, he'll be a day three guy, probably a fifth round pick. Reminds me of Darius Phillips of Western Western Michigan, a Mac corner, a guy that can end up coming in and making an impact for an NFL program. Uh, Tulsa taking on Miss, uh, Mississippi State. 28-26 was the final in this game. Arm Forces Bowl. Look, 
Zayvon Collins, we knew we weren't going to see Zayvon Collins in this game. My favorite player in uh, in all of college football in 2020, the winner of the Bednarik and Bronco Nagurski Awards. You know, Zayvon Collins, to me, has solidified himself as a first-round pick. He's one of the top linebackers in this draft. Um, so fun to watch. Uh, but even though he's... He's entering the draft and wasn't available. There are a lot of guys that are coming back. They've got you know both corners, Caleb Evans and uh, Allie Green, the fourth, announced he's coming back as well uh, for one more year. They've got you know they're both over six feet tall, big, long corners, very physical guys that like to play and force guys into the sideline. Jackson Player, um, you know another guy is six foot, six one, you know two hundred ninety pounds, can play the nose, can play uh, you know. But a, a 34 defensive end can play that five technique can be a three technique as well. Um, very explosive off the football. He can be disruptive. Um, Justin Wright, their linebacker uh, on the inside. And then how about JC Santana? Uh, they're, they're the receiver. Juan Carlos Santana, 6'1", 175 pounds. Uh, 11 catches for 112 yards. He's a speedster. Showed decent hands as well. Um, he'll be the focal point now that Keelan Stokes is leaving. Keelan Stokes, 6'194", uh, 194 pounds. And nine catches for 117 yards and a score in that in, in this game. And Keelan Stokes is a guy who can be explosive. He can end up being a slot receiver. Has some return uh, capability. The problem for him is inconsistency with his hands. Let's the ball get into his body too often. Um, so I think he'll struggle to get drafted um, when it's all said and done. Mississippi State, probably the best guy on defense uh, that played in this game because Marcus Spencer, uh, their, their defensive tackle, um, did not play in the game. But Errol Thompson, their linebacker, six foot, 254 pounds, had nine tackles, a sack, and a one and a half tackles for loss on the game. Um, very much a, a downhill guy, a guy that likes to blitz, a guy that's going to play the run very well, struggles mightily in coverage. Uh, he may be a, day, a, a late day three pick uh, when it's all said and done there. Uh, how about the Dukes Mayo Bowl? Wisconsin taking on uh, Wake Forest. Uh, the Badgers, 42-28 winners. And I'll tell you what, you know, no real stellar quarterback play here. Graham Mertz was 11-17 for 130 yards and a score. Sam Hartman, though, just got beaten up. Four second-half second interceptions. Still threw for 318 yards with three scores, but the four interceptions, that really doomed the Demon Deacons. Um, you know, you had interceptions returned by, you know, Colin Wilder, Scott Nelson, Noah Burks, uh, and Jay, uh, Jack Sanborn. Um, you know, and they did all of that without Rashad Wild Goose, their best corner, who has 14 pass breakups in his career. A guy who's already announced he's entering the draft. 5'11", 197 pounds. Um... The junior only played in two games this season. He's a guy to me, you know, there are a lot of guys at that corner spot. I think he'll probably end up falling into that fourth, fifth round range. Um, but a guy that, that can be a lockdown corner, you know, showed that he was able to do that there in Big Ten play. You know, look, the best player on Wisconsin defensively was Jack Sanborn. 6'3", 232 pounds, 11 tackles, two going for loss. Also had an interception on the day. This is a guy who I think plays very well coming downhill. Another guy like you know Patty Fisher that needs to show that he can drop into coverage. Got that pick on the on on the day, showing that he can drop a little bit. And then for, for the Demon Deacons defensively, how about Ryan Smenda? 6'2, 235 pounds. The junior has 155 tackles in his career, 15 tackles for loss, four and a half sacks, had 16 tackles in this game, three going for loss. Smenda's gonna be a guy coming back and really gonna be that leader of that defense going into 2021. Alamo Bowl. Texas, Colorado. 
uh, you know, Texas, 20th ranked, uh, you know, Longhorns, 55-23. Tom Herman wins the bowl game, then gets fired. Steve Sarkeesian is going to come in. Sam Ellinger, 10 and 19 for 160 yards and a score on this game, but it's more about the future uh, of uh, Texas football. Casey Thompson, 8 of 10, 170 yards, four touchdowns on the day. Bijan Robinson, remember that name as well. 10 carries, 183 yards, and a score. And defensively, they've got DeMarvion overshone, a 6'4", 217 pounds. That's six tackles and an interception on the day. He's kind of that hybrid safety linebacker, has really good size. Like I said, it's 6'4". Um, a lot of young guys played in this game because they were without Samuel Cosby, Joseph Osai, Caden Stearns, but it didn't matter. Texas still getting the job done with their young guys. Colorado, look, had a huge year under Carl Durrell in his first year. Uh, Jarek Broussard, the 5'9", 185-pound sophomore, um, is, their, is their bell cow. Uh, has a, you know, just under 900 yards uh, on the year with five touchdowns. Had 27 carries for 82 yards and three scores on the day for the Buffs. And defensively, look, you know, with Nate Landman out due to the ankle injury, the guy to watch, you know, he's coming back for one more year. It's Carson Wells, 6'4", 250, really good size. This is a guy, look, he had six tackles on the day, two sacks, two and a half tackles for loss. A guy that can bend a little bit coming off the edge. He's a guy, he's an interesting guy. You know, I mean, he, he looks like, you know, it doesn't look like he's going to be a guy that, that can really bend coming off the edge, but he shows some really nice explosiveness. If he can stay healthy, I think Carson Wells is primed for a big year next year. He could really pop on a lot of a lot of teams' radars. Um, you know, a guy that kind of reminds me a little bit of, of Kyler Fackrell. Um, if you remember when Kyler Fackrell was coming out um, after the 2015 season, was drafted in the third round, 6'5", 250 pounds. Fackrell, 36 tackles for loss, 13 sacks. Um, and a guy that's showing that he can get to the quarterback at the next level. You know, Carson Carson Wells has similar size. Um, doesn't quite have the production, um, you know, getting into the backfield. But uh, look, still has 25, tack 25 and a half tackles for loss, 12 sacks. So I look at the comparison. I think if Carson Wells has another big year, we could potentially be seeing him in the second or third round of next year's draft. And the final bowl to get to, the Cheez-It Bowl. Oklahoma State taking on Miami. Pokes got off to a huge start early. Wound up hanging on for the win, 37-34 over the U. Spencer Sanders throwing for over 300 yards, four touchdowns on the day. Tylen Wallace, they made a big deal about, hey, Tylen Wallace, did he opt out after the first half? No. Uh, the plan was all along, according to Mike Gundy, that he was going to only play the first half. 5'11", 187-pound senior, uh, you know, was a Blitnikoff Award finalist as a sophomore. Junior had the ACL tear. This year, he's battled some injuries as well. So the injury concerns, I think, is going to move him down some draft boards. But a guy who I think can be explosive, um, can be that vertical threat, but he plays a lot bigger than his size. Again, 5'11", 187 pounds, but he plays through contact. A guy that... Um, you know, does a great job adjusting to the football in the air. And when he gets that late separation, able to leap and jump away from the from the defensive back and go up and make a play on the football, he's going to be a deep, deep ball guy, um, a guy who's playing on the outside, but I'd love to see him play in the slot at the next level. Um, Trey Sterling, 
the, the junior safety had a big game, uh, double digit tackles on the day. Um, a guy that's very athletic there for for uh, the Cowboys. But I'll tell you what, Brevin Jordan uh, of Miami, if there's any question that he's the number three tight end behind Kyle Pitts and Pat Fryermuth. I think he's you know silenced any of those this season. Uh, 6'3", 245 pounds in this game. Eight catches, 96 yards, and a couple of touchdowns. Very dynamic with the ball in his hands. Also showed that he can be a, a pretty good blocker as well. You hope you look at, uh, you know, De'Ara King and uh, went down with the ACL tear. Um, already announced he was coming back to Miami. You hope that he can recover well with that. You know, you have Cameron Harris, the running back, also got injured in the game. This is a guy who can run with power, run with speed. Expecting a big year out of him and Rhett Lashley's offense. I'll give you a guy on, on offense to keep an eye out for. And that's number 62, Jared Williams. He was 6'5", 308, transferred from Houston, and a guy who struggled at times with some speed coming off the edge. But if he could get out, you know, and, and get out of a stance, set up, and really show, you know, get that kick slide to beat that guy to the edge, he showed the ability, you know, he'd lock out those arms, keep that guy at a distance, not allow him to shorten the edge at all, and then showed the lateral agility to mirror his man and showed some power in the running game as well. Jared Williams, to me, he'll be a day three offensive tackle and a guy that I think can end up being a right tackle at the next level. Uh, probably going to you know, be one of those, those key backups that a team is going to need. Um, and I think actually has starter potential at the next level. I think he'll be a little bit of development. He's still a little raw, but a guy that I think could end up uh, not only seeing the field uh, you know, early and often, I think at the next level, um, you know, for a guy that you know, is really kind of flying under the radar right now. So those are the bowl games that we've seen. We've got one bowl game left, and that's the national title game. Obviously, when you're looking at Bama, they're a heavy favorite in this game. Uh, you know, I think Mac Jones to Devontae Smith. You know, but when you look at the, that combo, um, you know, it's going to be difficult to take out Devontae Smith. Sean Wade thinks that he's got him, and I, I purposely left out Sean Wade because I wanted to talk about this matchup. Sean Wade gives up way too much, too much of the field. You watch him in, in off coverage. He's struggled since he's been on the outside, moved from the slot corner. You know, he play, had some safety experience as well there at Ohio State. He is not a guy that can be a, a, you know, a corner out on the outside. Uh, got turned turned around time and time again there in that Clemson game. Um, you know, ultimately, you know, with, with Cornell Powell, ended up taking him. What was it? There was a, a play. He was in off coverage and. Powell, you know, stems, you know, and fakes to the outside and goes inside, gets him turned around, and then cuts back outside and completely left Sean Wade in the, in, in the dust. Sean Wade ends up falling down and, uh, you know, ends up scoring, you know, Clemson ends up scoring a touchdown on the play. You watch him against Devontae Smith. You know, I, I think that's going to be one of the matchups to where, Sean Wade, um, I think it's not going to be just like uh, A.J. Terrell with the one game against LSU where he struggled um, and still was a first-round pick. I think Sean Wade, with this game, with this matchup, it may solidify his stock you know, somewhere in the middle of round two. Um, 
you know, for a guy that you know everyone was expecting to be one of the top corners in this draft, you know, I think his draft stock's definitely taking a hit. We'll see Alex Leatherwood. We'll see uh, you know Deontay Brown on the left side of the line. I think that's really where you're going to see Najee Harris getting a lot of his success. Although um, you know Emil Ekior and Evan Neal really holding up well there on, on the right hand side. Um, you know, look Tyreek Smith and uh, and. Jonathan Cooper, unheralded guys, you know, but both guys that are going to be day three picks. You know, I think, you know, with, with Jonathan Cooper, he's a physical guy. Actually showed that he could bend a little bit against Clemson. Tyreek Smith, a speed rusher as well. Haskell Garrett, a guy that can get some penetration. Tommy Togiai, another guy that can be pretty athletic, going to get his hand up in the passing lane. Uh, you know, has a nose for the football. Uh, you know, so seeing that front take on uh, that offensive line there for Bama is going to be interesting, as is the play of the linebackers. Baron Browning is one of the best linebackers in the country that nobody's really even talking about. Um, you know, a guy that can play against the run, can play downhill. You can ask him to bend, you know, to come off the edge, look in the quarterback, he can bend pretty well. Then you'll see him line up in the slot or even on the outside, not only against running backs and tight ends, but he'll line up against the receiver. He and Pete Werner, they're both 6'3", 6'4", 240 pounds, and you're seeing them keep up with receivers. And they're, they're lining up on the outside. They're guys that, that fly around to the football, sideline to sideline ability. Uh, look, you know, against Clemson, Pete Werner had nine tackles on the day. You know, Baron Browning, you know, shared a lot of time with Justin Hilliard. Hopefully, Baron Browning can be 100% in this game. Uh, that linebacker play is going to be a lot of, in, you know, a lot of fun to watch. Really going to be interesting to see, you know, if they can neutralize Jaleel Billingsley, the tight end, Najee Harris, the running back. Um, I just think, you know, Devontae Smith has yet to be stopped yet. And, and it's really proven that, you know, Devontae Smith and that passing game is also going to help open up things for Najee Harris and vice versa. Um, so I think Ohio State's got their work cut out for him there. Um, although they were able to take out Travis Etienne and really make Clemson one-dimensional. Um, you know, they won't have to worry about uh, Mac Jones running like they did with Trevor Lawrence. So, they're, they're, you know, it'll be interesting to see how Kerry Coombs attacks Steve Sarkeesian's def or offense there for Bama. And then when Ohio State has the football, look, you know, Justin Fields showed against Clemson that he has the deep ball accuracy. You know, not only can he throw the ball, you know, underneath, you know, with, with the accuracy there, but he can push the football down the field. You know, he's going to be able to read defenses, read that, um, you know, when he's got uh, you know, the, the single high safety, knows what to do with that, knows that when he's got a blitz, you know, uh, coming off the edge, where he's going to go with the football as well. And uh, I think for Justin Fields, you know, this is a secondary that's shown for, for Alabama that has shown that they are susceptible to getting beat deep. You know, Brian Branch has struggled at times. Josh Job has been beaten at times. You know, the, the safety position opposite uh, Jordan Battle, whether it's Daniel Wright or DeMarco Hellams, they've struggled at times as well. Um, so they can be thrown on um, down the field. And so Chris Olave, the smooth receiver, you know, Chris Olave, if he wants to get into that first round conversation, he has to have a big day. You know, he had six catches for 132 yards and two scores against Clemson. They need him to have a similar type of effort here against Bama. Um, and then Trey Sermon running the football. Obviously, if you're, if you're running for uh, close to 200 yards like he did against Clemson, you're having a tremendous day. And that's going to open up a lot of the play action there for, for Justin Fields. 
Um, obviously, with Christian Barmore up front, Justin Ebiogbe, uh, DJ Dale, you know, they rotate a lot of guys up front. Fedarian, uh, you know, Mathis is going to be a, you know be drafted there at the next level. Um, linebackers, Will Anderson, you're going to have to neutralize him. He's a guy that's coming off the edge to blitz the quarterback. Christian Harris as well can be disruptive. You know, maybe they can take advantage of Dylan Moses in the passing game, throwing the football to Trey Sermon out of the backfield. Obviously, the other thing that you that you have for weapons, three of, of uh, Justin Fields' six touchdowns went to the tight end position. Not really expecting Luke Farrell to catch too many footballs. He still had two catches, 11 yards for a score. And then Jeremy Rucker, three catches, 55 yards, two touchdowns. He'll be back next year, and he's going to be one of those guys that people are going to be talking about as one of the top tight ends um, in next year's draft. And a guy that really wasn't wasn't used a whole lot this year they didn't really have to use him but uh you know that's going to be interesting to see what, how things shake out against alabama i still think bama's going to win just because nobody's been able to really slow up steve sarkeesian's offense but florida showed that you can put points up against this bama defense but they ended up losing 52 46 i look at justin fields as long as he continues to build upon what he did against clemson and not what he did in all of his prior games against ranked opponents this is going to be a close game. I think people are expecting Alabama to run away with this one. I think it's going to be a lot closer. I think it could end up being that similar 52-46 type of outcome. I, I still think, um, you know, I think Ohio State actually has a chance. I think Ohio State definitely has a chance to win, especially if they can establish the ground game, do some ball control, allow that play action to set up. Justin Fields getting the football down the field to, to Chris Olave, not forcing the football, taking what the defense gives them throwing to his tight ends when he needs to, throwing to, to Trey Sermon out of the backfield, maybe take advantage of Dylan Moses' matchup a time or two. Um, you know, Obviously, you've got Patrick Sertan um, that you have to watch out for. You know, when he plays in off coverage, you can take advantage of him throwing in front of him. Uh, just don't try to beat him. You know, Throw deep on him. So you know, if he's lining up against Chris Olave for much of the game, we may end up seeing Garrett Wilson, Jamison Williams, Jackson Smith, Najiba, uh, uh, um, you know, having larger roles in this game. I think it's going to be a one-score game. I think Ohio State has a chance. I just don't see anybody slowing down Steve Sarkeesian's offense. Um, but look, you know, Kerry Coombs was able to figure out Clemson and was really able to put the screws to, to Trevor Lawrence. Um, you know, and especially if Baron Browning can be 100% and uh, really be out there for the majority of the snaps. He's to me, he's one of the keys to that defense. And uh, he's a guy, to me, I've heard a lot of people talk about him potentially being a third or fourth round pick. And look, I, I was high on you know, Malik Harrison uh, when he came out of Ohio State. Similarly here with, with Baron Browning. I think Baron Browning should be a second round pick. Um, you know, if it's all said and done, and Pete Werner should be uh, you know, coming off the board in round three. I think they're really, really nice athletes. You know, guys that could be, uh, you know, uh, they're linebacker bodies and they play the linebacker position, but they move like safeties. And uh, with Baron Browning's case, he can bend coming off the edge like an edge rusher as well. So it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Stay tuned for that. You know, we're going to go ahead and uh, you know, have a podcast next week. We'll start taking a look at some of the guys who have declared. They haven't actually made a formal announcement on exactly when um, the, that, that, the, that's going to be cut off. So we don't really know exactly when, you know, I was anticipating that it'd probably be about the 18th when we know that, 
you know, who all has entered the draft and who is coming back. Um, and then we'll be able to go ahead and really break down all of the guys who, who have opted out, who have declared for the draft and are, are moving forward um, through the pre-draft process. I like to wait until we know exactly who's entering the draft before I release my first mock draft. So that'll be coming after that. And I'll tell you what, it's going to be interesting. We'll be talking about that quarterback position. Obviously, we know Trevor Lawrence is going number one overall. After that, what's going to happen with Justin Fields, Zach Wilson? Who's going number two to the Jets? Is Sam Darnold really the guy? Are they going to go offensive line, go Panay Sewell at number two? Or are they going to trade Sam Sam Darnold somewhere? There are a lot of teams that are going to be looking for quarterbacks. You know, as of this taping, we got to see, you know, Cleveland beat Pittsburgh. And, you know, Ben Roethlisberger, he was shedding a tear on the sideline. Look like maybe his career may be coming to an end. And so if, if Matt, you know, Mason Rudolph isn't the answer, maybe Pittsburgh's on the market for a quarterback. Carolina, is Teddy Bridgewater the answer? I mean, after all of the, the, the 12 rib fractures there for Drew Brees, the end is near for him, and Taysom Hill proved that he is not going to be the, the, the franchise quarterback. And the fact that they went with Taysom Hill instead of Jameis Winston really tells you all you need to know about, about that. Cam Newton struggled there for New England. Jarrett Sidham proved that he's not going to be the guy. They could be on the market for a quarterback. Jimmy G struggled there for, for the 49ers. Nick Mullins, is he really going to be the answer there? Probably not. 49ers maybe on the market for a quarterback as well. Lots of teams looking for quarterbacks. And what about what about Atlanta? Dan Quinn's out. New regime comes in. Could that spell the end for Matt Ryan? That ultimately means Matt Ryan could potentially be out there looking for uh, looking for work, looking for a job. Um, you know, if if Philip Rivers, if he ends up leaving, and it sounds like he'll probably retire at the end of the year. So, if Philip Rivers has played his last game there in Indianapolis, then you're looking for a quarterback there. Indianapolis could be looking at Carson Wentz, who's on his way out there in Philly. Philly looking for a quarterback, you know, they, you know, obviously Doug Peterson and what he did, you know, really tanking that game, that final game so that they were able to move up to the number six overall pick. That has to be a play for a quarterback. Yes, you have Jalen Hurts, but Jalen Hurts right now, is he truly your answer? You know, I don't know that that is going to be the case. Sitting there at number six, unless the play is to get at number six and then trade down and acquire picks, that's got to be for a quarterback, right? You know, so it'll be interesting to see what happens there with with Philly. You know, do they end up opting to go for a guy like Trey Lance? You know, that 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 could be interesting. Um, you look at Washington. Dwayne Haskins. You know, he's he's gone. He's out of there. Alex Smith, obviously, you know, not the long term answer. Really, you know, the comeback player of the year for sure. Um, really, an awesome story. Taylor, you know, Heineke. Had a tremendous game there in the in the wild card game, but he's not going to be the long term guy for for Washington. Although I think he's earned himself a roster spot. So what does Washington do? You know who's going to take Sam Darnold if the Jets go up for a quarterback? Then there's Deshaun Watson. You know do, does Houston trade him to Miami? Does Miami want to you know want to give up Tua and picks for Deshaun Watson? If not, then where does Deshaun Watson go? Does he go to Atlanta? Does New Orleans try to try to acquire him if, if Drew Brees ends up calling it quits? What about Indianapolis? Lots of moving parts. 
But at the same time, when you look at it, there are a lot of teams that will be on the market for a quarterback. So there's going to be a lot that we're going to be discussing over the next four months. we got to see how it all plays out. Obviously, uh, you know, we have free agency. We want to see what that looks like. Are there going to be any trades? Um, I'm looking forward to this whole pre-draft process. You know, this is like my, my Christmas um, as we get into things. Um, you know, obviously we've got, uh, you know, the senior bowl coming up. We'll be able to see a lot of these guys going up against each other, um, you know, against the elite talents. We're going to see some of the FCS guys as well. We're going to see Dylan Radins and Spencer Brown at, at the offensive tackle position. We'll get to see Ellerson Smith, um, you know, an edge rusher. So you're going to get to see some of those guys at the FCS level, taking on some of the big boys there from the FBS, really see how they hold up against some of the talents there. Um, you know, we'll be able to recap things there for, uh, for the senior bowl. Not really sure what the combine is going to look, look like could be canceled, could be moved. What's that going to look like? Um, so we're, it's going to be interesting to see how we go about doing that. Um, could we have a lot of satellite locations? It's, it's a, a year unlike any other, um, especially when we're still dealing with COVID-19. So it's going to be interesting from a draft, pers- uh, from a combine perspective, getting into that pre-draft process. You know, we may not get to see these guys as much as, as we would like. So, it, you know, a lot of it is going to be more unknown, um, which is just going to make it much more fun to talk about. So hopefully, you know, you tune in, get to listen to a little bit more. We'll be bringing this back, do it all over again next week. Please stay tuned. Listen to all the content. Um, you know, I've put in, you know, uh, as much work as I can. I still have a few games that I've got to get to. Um, but by the time I'm done, I will have watched at least one game for every FBS program that played a game in 2020. Uh, very proud of that. Got through every single bowl game as well. And I'll be making sure to get through all of the uh, all-star games that will be played this year. I know like the East-West Shrine game was canceled. Um, you know, I believe the, the Hula Bowl as well. Um, no, Hula Bowl is actually going to get played. Um, but uh it was the NFL PA Bowl that actually was canceled. So there are a few games that are going to be out there. So it is the Hula Bowl, the Tropical Bowl, and uh, obviously the Senior Bowl. Keeping an eye on those. And uh, we'll get, kind of just take it week by week. But uh, you know, there's plenty to talk about. So I'll be bringing a podcast to you each and every week. Thank you for tuning in. We'll do it again next week. So for ReadyForTheDraft.com, this has been the Ready for the Draft podcast. I've been your host, Greg Schutz. Have a great week, everyone. Enjoy the national championship. Talk to you next week. Until then, I am out of here.